All right, welcome to Sports Scouts. I'm Joey Goodzer. I'm Michael Rope. And we're recording this, our first traditional episode post-spring break on Thursday, April 4th, 2019. Uh, we will get caught up on all the latest uh, college basketball action. Uh, we'll talk NHL and NBA playoffs, uh, LeBron James, Bryce Harper, and more. But first, uh, Michael will give you some scout scores. Yeah, so athletics are already up and running here at Lake Forest High School um, after following the break. And so during the break, the boys' baseball team went 2-1 and one on their trip to Tennessee. More recently, however, the scouts were unfortunately swept by Mundelein, with the Mustangs winning 5-3 to three on Monday and 8-3 to three on Tuesday. They most recently played Hersey in a makeup yesterday and will be, and will be resuming conference play um, against Lake Zurich next Monday, and they uh, defeated Hersey 9-6 to six, um, on uh, yesterday. Um, so girls softball took on Mundelein Monday and will be facing Warren next, next Monday. Girls or boys track and field will face Warren on Tuesday for senior night here at the high school and will be at an invitational at Vernon Hills next Saturday the 13th. And girls track and field were at Warren Tuesday and will be up against Waukegan and Mundelein on Monday. Boys water polo played Buffalo Grove on Tuesday and will face Warren today. And the girls water polo was at Buffalo Grove Tuesday and are playing at Warren today um, as well. Um, boys volleyball played Mundelein last night and will be squaring off against Maine South today. Boys lacrosse played against Lakes yesterday and will be playing at Culver on Saturday. And today the girls lacrosse um, plays at home. And the boys varsity tennis will be in Highland Park on Monday. And lastly but not least, the girls badminton team will be at Stevenson this afternoon. Thanks, Michael. Those are your scout scores. And if you want more on the latest in LFHS sports, check out the latest articles, um, such as the most recent baseball recaps. There's one of the Tennessee trip, and there's one of the Mundelein series that Shaw put up. So check out that if you want to hear more details about all the latest in uh, Lake Forest High School baseball. Um, and there'll be more sports articles um, up in the future about more sports this week on theforescout.com. And if you didn't hear the sport you wanted to hear, or we screwed up somehow, or... We don't have the scores, which we don't have a lot of scores lately, so make sure you send in your scores and informative news to sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com. That's sportscoutspodcast at gmail.com. So Michael can give it a shout-out. And let's go on to national sports and start with showing me what you've got. Okay, so as always, I'll get started here. Um, my, um, my, my topic I kind of want to bring up here is an interesting one, uh, kind of some recent news. And, you know, we have a, a wide variety of um, news coming up on this show, you know, because we were gone for a week. So we have a lot of things to cover. Um, but this is kind of a recent story um, and just kind of brings up an interesting conversation. So there's been a lot of talk about, about you know, money and the NCAA lately and, you know, how um, college schools are using money. And um, uh, just recently, um, actually uh, two days ago, um, Illinois joined um, the list of college uh, football programs that's going to be selling um, alcoholic games, which is an interesting development that we've seen at a lot of schools. And um, they are the sixth Big Ten school to do it. Um, And, you know, this is is definitely – um, has been an interesting development, at least for me, f- as from the perspective uh, being a college football fan. Um, and I think that you know, at least in my opinion, I would I would be hoping um, that that formal alcohol sales um, at um, college sporting events, um, especially college football games, um, th- I I hope that it doesn't grow as much. I think that it's probably inevitable that it will. I just I, I hope I hope we can enjoy the span of time before it does because I think that you know um, alcohol already has its presence at um, college football games and college sporting events um, but I mean you know there's there's obviously there's the obvious perspectives of a safety and B um, you know just the schools profiting more while the players aren't making anything which is an entirely different conversation, which we've talked about before. I think that, you know, the, the topic that isn't brought up is that it's, it's kind of an, it's kind of an inconvenience as far as um, the college football experience. And I, at least I think that the NFL um, has some, has some setbacks right now, as far as the fan experience and they're trying to draw fans in. And I think one of the great things about college football games is that um, basically like, you know, there's no, there's no worries about, um, about beer sales that that cause people to get up and out of their seats and come back to their seats, I, like honestly, I you know, I'm a season ticket holder 
at a stadium where you're pretty locked in, if there were to be beer sales and people were to be we were be to walking in and out of their aisles as much as they probably would, that would be incredibly inconvenient and make the game the game experience a lot worse. So I just hope that this development doesn't doesn't uh, continue too much, although it probably will. So that's that's one headline and something yeah. interesting to keep track of. I, I think it's kind of ironic too that Illinois, out of all out of all schools, that there's have been done, plenty it, of jokes it's about just, that. Yeah, <laughs> just how yeah. bad they've been since God, like the last decade. Like in every sport, it seems like for men's at least. I don't know how the women's teams have been doing, but I just know for men's at least that they every sport has just been brutal for the last like decade probably and. Yeah, it's just, it's, there's, it's, there's a lot of irony it's been a there. Hard, it's been a hard decade. There's there's a lot of there's been a lot of joking on Twitter about that for sure, um, and you know I think that I think that's reason, and I think that they they probably you know the schools that do it um, have a set of reasons to do it, and it's often a very very recommended thing. I just you know I hope with some of the bigger schools, um, it doesn't it doesn't become something too. I don't know. I, I I'm it's just I guess it's just a personal grievance that I have because I don't know. I feel like. I feel like alcohol already has um, people will get it. It already. Al- it already has its giant presence in college sports, so I, I don't. I don't know if it needs to be um, sold at games to make that you know an extra inconvenience to the game watching experience. Yeah, right. So mine is um, this week, of course, uh, the Cubs. Yeah, I'm, we're going to dive right into this right off the bat. This, this is morning. Gonna, this is going to be a big conversation. Yeah. So I just pulled it up, and I just want to show you the numbers. Um, right now, so after they lost last night, six to four in Atlanta, um, which the Cubs were up four to two, I believe, in the seventh inning or six. It was late, one of the later innings, but in total, they the Cubs bullpen has allowed 17 earned runs on 17 walks, 20 hits, and 17 in the third innings through five games this season. That's an ERA of almost nine and a WHIP of over two. So, yeah, I mean, people say, well, the easy fix is go sign Craig Krimble. It's it's not that easy. The Cubs bullpen, they all the guys that we're supposed to be quote unquote the guys like Pedro Strope, uh, Carl Edwards, Steve Steve Shishak haven't done anything this year. I mean, of course, I'm not trying to overreact here about the bullpen. I mean, it's only it's only been four um, it's it's been four games, yeah, already. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that the bullpen, the Cubs uh, management didn't do anything all off season. Which I mean, it's just kind of was anticipated that this that this would happen, and then probably n- maybe not so early in the season, but uh, later or than not, the Cubs were gonna find themselves in in quite a bit of a pickle here with with the way they've structured this bullpen and they haven't done anything to help themselves out. And I mean, you you can't rely on um, Edwards, Strope, Shisak to uh, with the game on the line and with a guy like Brandon Morrow who can never seem to be on the field. There's just so many questions and a lot of pressure on putting on guys like Carl Edwards, Steve Shisak that have not really had to deal with being a closer on a team that ever, there's so many eyes on, on the team. And there's just a lot of pressure, I believe, for them. And if they – and if I just don't think that this, this bullpen's ready, honestly, for the, the next step they need to take. Yeah, I think that this is a this is um, a huge disappointment out of the Cubs right now. And I think that that's reasonable because this has been such a long-lasting problem. I think that there, there's, there were two main problems coming out of the Cubs season last year. The first one was um, the oh, yeah, hitting offense, yeah. was the hitting issues. There was so much hitting inconsistencies, and then the second one was the bullpen. The, the issue is the hitting issue was um, at least somewhat dealt with as Chili Davis was fired. Um, we got our hitting coach replaced. That that's kind of under new management now, and I think you know it's been doing okay. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's. I think it's too early to judge that and say that there's significant improvement or there's or nothing's happened but um things look okay in that regard but i mean even though like the bullpen was like a first ballot issue for the cubs going into this year they really didn't do anything about it and i think that now they're seeing um the effects of it and i mean i think that you're right as far as just you know there's there's not going to be an easy fix to this this is a this is like a long-term um you know they have to they have to they have to build up a full bullpen um I think of new pitchers that can that that will be able to make a difference. So yeah, signing Craig Krimble would be nice, but yeah, I mean, it there's, it there's be, so many other factors right now they have to worry nice, about first. It's, it's it would be just the beginning expensive. of probably a long bullpen rebuild. Mm-hmm. So um, it's 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 kind of unfortunate that they didn't do it when they had time to do it with spring training and you know earlier. Um, but I guess they're going to have to try to start doing it very very soon. Um, and you know, 
start it in the smallest way possible. But, you know, it's it's definitely going to be a big concern and probably be number one on the list of um, problems for this season. So it's a disappointing start for that reason, I got to say. It definitely and this, it just mag, uh, magnifies the, the problems. I mean, and defense, too. You see all these errors. They think we had six errors the other night, uh, the first game in Atlanta. So after f- I said yeah, four was, games, but that, five games that now. Was a, that was a but bad night. Yeah, the fourth game of the year, the first game in uh, Atlanta the other night. Yeah, that was, I think we had six errors or something like that. And it just doesn't help the, the pitchers at all. And it's just, it's been a total mess. And the offense has actually been probably the best, um, probably the bright spot for us. Probably but, the most consistent but thing. But it doesn't right, matter yeah. if you can't score any runs so, or if, if you can't uh, not give up any runs um, with the pitchers. So. Yeah, definitely. There's it's just been a mess so far, and hopefully, I mean, it's still it's it's five games. I mean, right. it's kind of an over. We could it's be an overreaction. I mean, the the real conversation is should we start worrying about this? I think that we should. Yeah, I, I still think that it's going to be a problem. Though, right, definitely. I, I think you know th- this is the thing. We have a team, as I said, that had hitting issues last year. They're going into this year, and they've solved those issues. But basically, the way just that they flipped. have to play, the way that they have to play games now is they have to they have to just go crazy in the first couple innings just have as much cushion as they can before the bullpen comes out and starts to let things up and you know let things bleed into a close game so i mean that's not a good way for a team that had hitting issues last year to play put a lot of way too much pressure on guys way too much pressure on guys who are trying to you know trying to get back into the swing of things and back into you know being good hitters again like like even your star players like chris bryant as you said so I don't know. It's a bit. It's a big issue. We're gonna have to see what happens. I'm hoping yep. that they can turn things around. Um, you know, maybe we get lucky. Maybe this is just a bad start. But I mean, yeah, hopefully that's the case. I mean, hopefully that's the case. I hope I'm wrong, but um, it doesn't really seem like it. And I feel like they need to um, take action. So yeah. Also, what got lost yesterday was David Bodie signed a five-year extension. Yeah, uh, that, for 15 million. I mean, congratulations to him. Bring that up later. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Definitely. Yeah, he's definitely. It just kind of shown um, that I mean, even how how low you are in the minors doesn't really, like for how for how long he's been in the minors, this, that's just great for him to get a shot um, and show the Cubs organization what he's got. And yeah, and they were right that he was a good investment for him. Yeah, and I think I think it's I think that that's somewhat of a good move, and I think he deserves it. I like the player. Um, I think that there was there was a um, we did get a Ryan Peters call that we're not going to play because we have a we have another set of calls. Um, but um, it's more recent, and he did he did basically say like you know David Bowie's a great player, but we need to work on our bullpen, and I would 100% agree with that. I th- I think right. that that needs to be our top priority right now. And so to see headlines like David Bowie signs an extension, you're just you're just kind of sitting there like okay that's good, but you know yeah there's a way bigger problem that's right in front of us right now. So I hope the Cubs can deal with that because um, we're gonna need to before you know things start to get more exciting i guess than april baseball so yeah so it's that like w- must win now all of a sudden <laughs> yeah it all of a sudden it all of a sudden becomes like. becomes tense here and you know that's not something not you want, want. Yeah. in april i mean that's that's not a good way to start the season definitely there. not no you know no team is ready for that yet so yeah that's that's show me what you got and now let's move into news so to get started here since we are football guys more than anything i chose this headline just to get us started because it's an interesting one uh, basically, we've been covering them for a, l- a little bit for a while, but some, pri- some surprising news came out of the AF as Bill Pullian announced with disappointment that the Alliance of American Football is immediately going to suspend operations. So this happened a couple days ago, which was probably a surprising headline to see. It's just all of a sudden, the AAF is not going to be a thing anymore. Uh, while official reasons were not explicitly given... I mean, based on what Bill Polian said, who's, you know, he's obviously one of the leading forces of the Alliance of American Football, it seems pretty clear that the cause of the action was kind of a financial thing and that they were, you know, they're trying to be able to fund it and it wasn't, it wasn't working successfully. They, um, they got the owner from the Carolina Hurricanes to invest a ton of money in the league, you know, and that seemed like kind of a desperate move. And, you know, they didn't really obviously say that, but in hindsight, it kind of turns, it kind of seems like that, um, that viewpoint was correct so um yeah no more alliance of american football i guess um so michael what does this mean um in general for alternate football leagues uh going forward and all those projects yeah so i believe the xfl is going to start in 2020 yeah I think. which so i'm super excited for by the way that's going to be fun hopefully that one i guess they can learn from the aaf but i guess you kind of i mean i'm not really surprised at all because 
if you have like some, I guess you could call it like minor league football. Yeah, um, but that's like true. you kind of, I was kind of expecting this. You, all the money that we've heard to start to, um, the start of the, their season that went into this, um, uh, into this league, it just seemed like kind of inevitable sooner than later that uh, that this would happen, just yeah. because like the attendance, like you turn on a game, like there's like 20 people there. But yeah, there were. I mean, the attendance wasn't great. I think that yeah. you know. I don't know. I think, like, the first weekend was, like, everyone's, like, getting really like, hyped about it, and then it's ever since. You just don't hear about anything, anything right. AAF. I mean, I think that here's the thing. I think that it was it was, a, it was some fun, f- some fun, good football that I think people like to watch. Kinda I just came out of nowhere. I just don't know if it was – yeah, and it was it – was, it, wasn't, it wasn't, like, a joke like some of these projects turn out to be. Um, it was actually decent football, at least in my opinion, and I think that fans loved it. It's just the – the line was drawn where fans were not interested in going out of their houses to go see games. Oh, definitely. And that's where the problems take place. Yeah, I mean, guys, too. I mean, I guess what, what, what's great about it, kind of like um, any minor league system, I guess, in any sport, is those guys get another shot to right. show off. There, there's so many. There's so NFL. many old names that we got to yeah. that got to be thrown back on the field, which is awesome. Yeah, that so. was cool. So hopefully, like I guess the XFL can maybe learn from the AAF's mistakes, maybe, and hopefully yeah. they can keep um a full season going i guess without having to suspend it yeah it's going to be interesting to see what the xfl really does um you know i'm interested to see what it's like in comparison to the original xfl what it's like in comparison to the nfl obviously that's going to be the main thing but i mean you know it's going to be interesting to what degree it's entertainment and to what degree what degree it's straight up football so that's going to be interesting i think that it at least for what it means for football projects going forward is that the main goal from the beginning should be some type of way to draw the fans to get there. And I think that it, the AAF story as a whole, I think, gives hope for alternate football leagues because I think that pe- overall people reacted positively to it, even though it had its financial issues that resulted in this news right now. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah, that's, that's it with the, with the AAF. Yeah, so now we're going to head back to baseball again. So, Joey, uh, with baseball season um, already underway, um, so you better get ready. I guess then we're gonna talk about Bryce Harper again. Yeah. So to start off, outfielder returned to Washington Tuesday with loud uh, chorus of boos given um, him from, of course, being in Washington his whole career up until this year. Yeah. In which he responded to his initial strikeout. Um, actually, I think he struck out his first two at bats, then hitting a yeah. home run and a pretty crazy bat flip. Um, so how do you think the dynamic of Bryce Harper was changed um, in this game in our? nation's capital i think that this is an interesting moment for baseball i think that this is a turning point in how fans talk about baseball as far as bryce harper i feel like has completely solidified himself as a villain at least for some people and specifically obviously for washington nationals fans and there's good reason for that it's a very it's kind of the I don't know. It's 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 the Kevin Durant plot line of just leaving. I think it's kind of cool, actually. Right, which is very, which is I think is a lot of fun. Yeah. I think that that's a, that's a cool thing for um for you know the MLB to have you know in in their what they have to offer entertainment wise. I think that that's cool. I had a lot of fun watching him you know at bat um in Washington and that was cool. Like you know just yeah um, seeing the fans booing him and obviously like the response was pretty cool. I think that it it changes baseball in a way where, you know, it now all of a sudden it's starting to move in that basketball kind of superstar direction, which is really interesting. It's something we've seen building up with all these contracts yeah. over the off season, and now it's becoming a even bigger thing. So I, I don't know. It's 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 making me see it. May, it's making it seem like baseball is moving um, toward an NBA kind of player aesthetic, which I don't know if I like. But if it can be kept to the level where it is, at least right now, where there's a couple characters and, you know, it's spread out and there's still a bunch of contenders as far as teams go and we don't get into a super team culture like we have in the NBA, I think it's kind of cool. And I think that it was fun to watch Bryce Harper kind of take on that new role and, you know, become kind of a new type of star player. Yeah, so two things, I guess. Being in the same division, which so that just starts a rivalry, I guess, being yeah. in the NL East, that's, yeah. that's cool. I mean, you got the Phillies and the Nationals now. With with Bryce Harper's on the on, on the Phillies, he's just going to be the villain for the next ten years, fifteen years, ever long the contract is. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be playing he's gonna for be a while. playing for quite a long a long time. And yes, I think that's gonna be that's great for the game. I mean, there's just a lot of publicity towards Bryce right now and and the game of baseball, which is great. 
And also the other thing, like you said, kind of like the rec- the recruitment kind of style in the NBA is kind of shifted to the MLB too. Yeah. I mean, you really can't build a super team, I guess, in baseball. But still, like the top players, they can they kind of can pick now. Um, it's not like they couldn't before, like where they wanted to go, but like they can re- attract a lot of other players yeah. along with them at the same time. And with with a lot of money being in the game, um, these top top free agents, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, like free agency has just changed quickly in baseball. But still, Completely the top changed, guys yeah. are getting their money, unlike some of the the, the middle tier players. But still, these top guys can just set their markets, and it's it's, it's kind of it's fun to watch, but also. Um, the same time, it's just kind of frustrating for these middle tier guys in the middle of the winter yeah. and getting any contracts. But yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, it's just overall a lot, a lot more freedom. The dynamics I think that changed it's, in baseball that it's been kind of an overstep overall in sports as far as how much say players have in going where they want to go. Like yeah. Antonio Brown, like I mean, and not to diverge too much, but Antonio Brown, like not wanting to go to Buffalo and just kind of refusing <laughs> to play for the Bills. Like that. Like that's where I find issues at least. Where it's like I'm glad players are we're moving away from players becoming you know slaves of their owners and as far as you know just you know not really having as much control over what they can do they have a say now i guess yeah more they have a say now and i'm glad that they do i think that they might have too much of a say though as far as just like personal preferences of what team they want to go to you know not kind of you know not really playing for their team it's just it's it's that kind of culture has changed in a way like a Le'Veon bell kind of situation yeah just give up on your team and that just doesn't really one well with the rest of the locker room or, yeah, or the coaches, sure. definitely. Yeah, for sure. But so it's it's a. I get what they're coming from, though. I guess wanting to get the maximize their potential, I guess. But still, yeah, definitely. That that's the one downside, of course, is letting down the team or the management or a coach or all that. Yeah. So it's just it's just I don't know. It's a big change. I think that one of the benefits though is the Bryce Harper story because I think he's already a love hate player. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah. I think that you know people either think he's one of the greatest players in the in the MLB, if not the greatest, and there's other people who just absolutely hate him. And I, I can, I mean, at least for me, I can see both sides of it. I don't have that strong of an opinion of him, but I do have to say watching those two things clash, um, in Washington was awesome. So, um, on to the pro basketball court as the news came in officially right once we left for the break that, uh, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers will not be in the playoffs. Um, so Michael, what does this mean for LeBron's career long term? Um, but I, at least in my opinion, more importantly, what does this mean for the NBA's playoff season this year? Yeah. So if anything, I guess for him, I mean, the positive of it could be he's played in eight straight finals and he just kind of gets the rest now and to get the rest in June, um, in the later stage, I think he's out now for he's resting for the rest of the year. Um, so that's kind of nice for him. I guess he kind of gets some time off and just can rethink things. But for his like resume as together, I think it just shows that the whole MJ, we we could talk about this forever, but yeah, the, the MJ absolutely um, Jordan or the MJ uh, LeBron um, take, I guess, on who's the greatest player of all time. But definitely, I think this doesn't help his case not making the playoffs yeah, after getting that's, that's so much attention sure. from from leaving Cleveland to heading to Los Angeles and having setting such um, kind of lofty expectations for this season that it really just hasn't. I mean, I think that their record's going to end up very similar to what it was last year without LeBron, that's the Lakers. True. So definitely, it doesn't help um, him at all for his his resume and of course wanting to get back to another finals and winning another one but so you have to wait another year and I don't really think that he's not getting any closer I don't think being with the Lakers it, the team is not no nowhere near talented to where his past teams were in Miami and even the early stages of Cleveland I think that the team last year was just on his shoulders and yeah. being an Easter a weaker conference last year that helped him to get back but definitely now being the Western Conference with the with the teams like the Warriors, of course, every year, and the Jazz and the other teams, mm-hmm. uh, tri- uh, Thunder, Trailblazers, whatever, whoever you pick, there's a lot of great teams in the Western Conference, and it's just going to be hard for LeBron to get back and get his next title that he can help build his own resume. But I think, yeah, the the GOAT debate, I think, is kind of the door's been closed, I think, now. Yeah, the, the, the door's starting to close on that. I agree. I think that it for his career – it's not helpful at all as far as the I mean lots of, lots of the argument behind his greatness was that he's he carried a lot of teams that didn't have a lot of talent. Yeah. And this year he had a team that didn't have a lot of talent and you know I mean he, at least he argued for his team um but you know they didn't make the playoffs. So I uh, you know I don't I don't I don't know if that's helpful for him. Maybe it will be more long term as now you know he's kind of gotten settled into LA and now he can um, really do business next year, but I, I don't think it's helpful as far as like the NBA and playoffs this oh, yeah. year. Like, I, I mean, 
I think people people's natural reaction is it's going to make the playoffs less exciting because LeBron's such a character that we've had in the playoffs for mm-hmm. so long, and he's been a draw. But there's but, so many new characters, too. right? Exactly. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking, and I I don't know how this is going to end up balancing out. I don't know what my NBA playoff watching experience is going to be this year, but I think we're going to have a fun, interesting playoff season this year, and I, I kind of look forward to that. Where we're we're not going to really know um, what's going to happen after so many years of you know, kind of predictability. So, you know, now that LeBron's down in the playoffs, the field's so much more open for a lot of teams, um, you know, that are good but not great. Yeah. So I'm like looking guys like Giannis that. and the yeah. Eastern Conference and Kyrie and those kind of guys. But, yeah, what I think is, too, what we kind of saw with the Lakers' downfall in the second, the start of the second half of this year was I think the whole Anthony Davis trade rumors, too, were kind of were kind of the, uh, the, the the last straw, I guess, for the team. It just kind of – they kind of lost their – Lock after that, after hearing that the whole basically Lakers team, besides LeBron, was for sale just to get Anthony Davis, I think a lot of players um, didn't really buy in after that, and they were just kind of checked out. And I think that definitely did not help the Lakers at all try, and to, to try and make the playoffs as an eight, seven, eight or seven seed or something like that. But, yeah, definitely they're going to have to start fresh, um, have have some in, in-house meetings with the team. and For sure. Just fresh slate next year, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully, I mean, it's always fun when the Lakers are good. It's always a... It's always kind of bittersweet, I guess, kind of, because right. no one wants to see the Lakers good, I guess. They're, they're, but, they're, they're such a classic team. But it's I mean, always it's, classic to see yeah, the, right. the great the greats of the sport um, always being um, good at the same time. is always It's always great to see. Yeah. So, yeah, now we're going to move back to hockey. Or I guess we haven't talked about hockey yet. But So we're going to talk about the Blackhawks. So they were eliminated officially from 2019 to Stanley Cup playoffs the first time since 2008. The Hawks have missed um, or have missed um, – the, the the postseason in, in two seasons in a row, um, and the new coach and some un- unwillingness to tank um, makes the situation even more murky. So Joey, um, how does Chicago move forward to rebuild their hockey excellence that they've built in the last couple of years? So we've been talking, we've been kind of following the Hawks um, lately, and this has been a very very interesting season. I think that, I mean, I think that um, a couple things here. Jer- Jeremy Carlton has done um, a surprisingly good job toward the end of the season and um they had the roots of a team that could contend in the playoffs which was exciting um it was not consistent at all and that was that was what ultimately was their downfall and i think you know you, if you can't be just if you can't be consistent you kind of deserve that because you need consistency in the playoffs especially so that's you know that's that's kind of okay i think that jamie Carlton's done a great job i look forward to seeing how his how his career moves with the Hawks that being said I you know I still strongly stand by my original stance with I think that what we should have been talking about right now is that coach Q is moving on to play for a different team I mean to coach for a different team I was I was I was hoping for that I think that that would have been the best move for the Blackhawks as far as um building and evolving forward I think that you know it was just such a you know in the moment heat of the moment decision to fire him two months into the season, and I th- I, I don't see this the severe um, the severe problem with with keeping him until the end of the year and then just kind of pushing him to sign with a different job. And you know they wouldn't they wouldn't fire him per se, but they'd basically they'd basically fire him. Yeah. So it, it would just be that at the end of the year, and then you know they'd be able to move forward into rebuilding. So you know while Jeremy Carlton has done a great job, I think that they should have had better moves with Q. As far as the team, I you know, I'm just hoping that they don't do what the Red Wings used to the Red Wings used to do with the last couple of years. Kind of hang in. Just kind of just kind of hang in the middle. Right it out, and, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and that that would that would just annoy me, especially because um the main issue with the Red Wings and, you know, I just hope that the Bowmans don't do that, don't do this and, you know, I know that they're probably um too smart to do this, but considering their move with Coach Q, I don't know. But you know the main the main issue with the Red Wings is that they they, they got a, they got held up in a bunch of long term contracts that were no trade clauses. So they have a bunch of players on their team stuck right now. Yeah. They're they're totally stuck with them. It's like a laughable like eleven players or something. It's crazy wow. for the Red Wings. So I just hope that the Hawks, you know, and these two teams move in very very similar directions. You know, while they're in different conferences now, you know, now the Hawks have fallen. It's, you know they 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 had their dynasty a little bit later, right after the Red Wings kind of fell off. And so now they're falling off, you know, af- slightly after the Red Wings fell off. Knowing what the Red Wings did and knowing how they kind of hung on to every last bit of, you know, success and um, that type of thing where they just hung in the middle and they, they, they 
you know they just they knew they, knew they weren't going to win, but just barely trying to, to make trying playoffs, to yeah. trying to keep the streak alive, and then eventually they fell off and they didn't really embrace the tank. I just hope that they can learn from that and they can just know, like you know, the Red Wings are finally tanking now, which is fantastic, and they're they're going to have a great draft season. I look forward to that. I look forward to rebuilding. You know, they they re-signed Blashill. Fans are not liking that. I think that that's fine. I think that you know he needs better players before we can judge his performance, but. You know, I hope that the Hawks can go into that process way faster. I hope that they can, you know, embrace the fact that hey, it's over. You know, we have a couple stars, but um, you know, some of them are aging, and we need to, you know, say our goodbyes um, in you know a formal way before it gets ugly, and um, you know, make sure they that they can perform a, for, a full rebuild like they did before the dynasty started. Yeah. So that's that's at least my hope is Definitely that they makes sense. they they embrace the fact that they're that that the dynasty's over and that they need to. Um, completely re- rebuild this team for future success. So they need to be willing to look f- farther forward than um, than they might. So yeah, you it know, it's it's disappointing that they that they just barely missed the playoffs here because that yeah. that kind of delays the process. So I hope that this type of season doesn't really happen again. It's going to so, be harder. Yeah. It's going to be it's harder definitely now to tear it all down. Like like you said, we still have great some some greats. Um, of course, yeah, they have been part couple, of our dynasty. A couple who are young enough where we can we can keep them for yeah for good reason. But other guys, I guess, like it's just it probably well, like you kind of said, it, it's hard to to get rid of them. I mean, to just close the book, slam the door shut. I guess basically on, on this chapter of Blackhawks hockey. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, definitely, I think this probably was the last straw. I guess for this for this group. I guess it's because it's a lot of the similar guys from from the last. Stanley Cup run, but yeah, definitely. I mean, it's better to to I guess embrace the tank now than it is to wait three years, not make the playoffs, and just have three years wasted. I guess so. Right, exactly. Starting an earlier. So this already kind of felt like, even though it was fun, it kind of felt like a year wasted, which is disappointing because yeah. they ultimately you know, did. As a fan, that's the worst thing. They ultimately didn't make the playoffs, and so there's that. So yeah. I, I just I just hope that you know, Jeremy Carlton has proven his success. Maybe that was the point of the season. He's proven that he can he can actually be a decent coach so that's that's good um but now he needs to you know build up the team in order to um make actual success happen and you know continuing uh to develop the team during the offseason so yeah that's basically it with blackhawks hockey right now so um there was kind of a retirement frenzy that kind of happened in the middle of break here um um conor mcgregor retired at one point and then you know now he said he, he see you back in the octagon so we have no idea what's going on with him but yeah. that was the day after um some arguably bigger news where uh tight end rob gronkowski announced that his eight-year nfl career will come to an end um so michael what does the loss like this mean for the future of the new england patriots i think still even without him they're they're, they're the patriots i mean they they figure it out bill belichick probably He'll he'll find somebody with the draft picks. He seems to amount every year. Like he he can pick someone in the mid rounds, and he'll be just fine and probably. But yeah, but I mean, still Gronk. He's a, he's a different player than any other hole he's got to fill. Probably arguably except like Tom Brady, but right. uh, on, on on their roster and some other um, guys like Julian Edelman, of course, is very valuable for their team. But um, I think yeah, he's definitely he's definitely one of the best the, the best tight ends in NFL history. You could even say um, after even just in eight years that he's played and. He definitely is. He's he's been through it all with, with the Patriots, uh, with, with these Super Bowl runs, and even you could just see like um, his last catch, I believe, was it was a huge. I think it set the Patriots up to to score right after after he caught the the reception in the. Um, I think it was like a thirty yard reception that he had yeah. from, from Brady in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and it just showed his final catch was very. It was huge for the Patriots to win that game, and he's definitely gonna be missed. He's a go-to guy for Tom Brady he just can throw it up to him in any situation in the third down first down whatever he's got to do um but yeah he's going to be he's going to be missed definitely it's, he's you really can't replace a guy like Rob Gronkowski but I think I think I don't know I feel like it's not really over for him yet I still feel like I just feel like he's going to come back for some reason I don't know the Patriots that's, are struggling that's, that's mid-season kind of I feel like yeah. I feel like Tommy will call him up and be like Gronk can you just come back for the rest of the year and I think he would I think he's going to stay in shape and I just I just don't see it I think He's still got. I think he's 29 right now. I, th- I still think he's got. He definitely has some stu- um, some left in the tank, and uh, he's of course injuries has been has been a problem for him. And I understand that you'd want like kind of like Kelvin Johnson did. Yeah. Not being the oldest, but still retiring just based on the the injury history, which definitely makes sense for the future of his of his life out of football. 
But I think just there could be, I think, one last. It's kind of a hot take, I guess. Could be kind of one last run, I think. And it's not over yet for Gronk, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think that that's a genuine possibility. We could have we could have a lot more of a run than um, people might, you know, think here with, yeah. with him. And, you know, it's a, it's a quick end to a career. If they start um, off like three and five, I think yeah. Tom will call him up be like, Gronk, I need you, man. Yeah, I know. And I, I think that he's a he's a contender on the Patriots and he's, you know, he's a he's an easy um, tool for Tom Brady to use for success. And, you know, that's that's something that they might need to have here, um, you know, considering, I mean, I guess Tom Brady is aging. I feel like that's kind of a weird thing to say <laughs> considering, you know, he's proven time and time again that um, doesn't matter, I guess it doesn't age. matter, I guess. Um, and, you know, speaking of, he did also announce his retirement on <laughs> April 1st and his Twitter on his new Twitter, yeah. on his new Twitter. So, he d- I mean, at least in my opinion, I thought he he probably won April Fool's Day on that because I, I, I didn't funny. see I didn't see what the reaction was or how far his retirement spread before he obviously you know said that he was joking. But um, another that, one was, that was pretty funny. Was Zion announcing that he's gonna? I think someone said he's gonna head back for a, a sophomore season at Duke, and that kind of got people kind of worried. I think in the yeah their team capacity fans that got their teams probably going to be in the top three lottery picks so yeah for in the sure. shuffle there so uh, that was pretty funny too but yeah definitely it's always fun i guess the the cut and the bears too with those with the three the yeah, three digit the three no, um, yeah yeah that, that was th- funny i think the the mitch trubisky jersey the 110 jersey from that video is going to be um auctioned off so yeah yeah that was definitely definitely look great look job by them yeah cool. yeah it was social media team yeah they they're just amazing. I mean, we've talked about this yeah. before. Being and there, I guess, at House Hall. We, we went to House Hall, and it was it was a cool experience. That was one of the one of my favorite parts. At least was meeting, um, at least some of the social media team was and getting that follower really cool. And and yep. yeah, the force got got a follow, which was Twitter, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so. Great. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, as back to Rob Gronkowski. One last thing, as far as the New England Patriots, I don't think that there's a better team that could experience a star player announcing a short retirement like this. Because they're just so ice cold with their players. Even if you're such a big star player, I think that they yeah. that they can so easily move on from you. And I think that they're set up in that way for situations like this. We you know we see players leave the Patriots, and I feel like it constantly comes up like, oh, what what could happen? You know what what's going to happen with the Patriots if they don't have this guy? Doesn't, and then it it, it doesn't matter. They they find they, they find a way. Yeah. They find a way to fill those holes. So I I don't know if this will mean much for the Patriots in the future. If it does, I think that you're right, and that there's a possibility that. We could see more out of Gronk, so we'll see. So let's move on to They Don't Scout Like This. All right, so for this segment, we're dedicating all of our NCAA tournament coverage, um, kind of updates on uh, what's going on in the bracket challenge, um, and we'll make sure to take a look at that, and then we'll kind of start to look forward to the Final Four this week, this weekend, which is going to be um, a lot of fun. So I think what we should do is we should just kind of look at the bracket and go – Region by region, not 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 look at individual games, but just make some observations here. Like let's make like I don't okay. know three observations for every region. I think that that probably makes sense. So I mean, if we start in the east, I think that um, at least for me, the the one the big thing here um, coming out of the first round, um, the Belmont upset did not happen. Uh, the Liberty upset did happen, so there was that. Um, but I th- I think the biggest thing here was. Um, Duke kind of really experiencing a ton of luck throughout this entire, you know, regional play. Yeah. I mean, against UCF. Second round, they should have been kicked out. They probably should have been. And then Virginia Tech, they weren't that far off either. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. Definitely. Same kind of play at the right at the rim. and Right, exactly. Kind of full it's, under it's pressure. I've, yeah. never, I've never seen a team get um, more lucky. In I close know. End of game situations repeatedly. And, of course, it's the Duke Blue Devils who happened to. Yeah, you know, have that look. So that's a, that's I mean, you know, that's one of the many yeah. reasons why I don't like them. So <laughs> I mean, there's that. I mean, I do think it, it is kind of amazing, at least for me, how Zion has has kind of de- kind of let my my hate for Duke kind of go down a little bit, which yeah, he's is really super interesting. I, I find him to be so likable, and that's why I'm so it's excited to, to see him in the NBA. Yeah. Like I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him to be. The player who finally passes MJ, like I, I am root, I'm rooting for that to happen. At least if he maintains the attitude that he's maintained in in the college um, setting, where he's been, you know, an absolute beast, an absolute star player, um, who just loves playing the game, but also just loves being um, part of the team and doing what he needs to do to help his team win games. Unfortunately, though, they had their exit. Michigan State coming out of the East. I mean, you got to give them a lot of credit, right? I mean, I think yeah. that they 
they played yeah, I, super well. Mi- yeah, so then, yeah, like you said with uh, Zion, I mean, just even being in a conversation with being in, like, the next best thing since, like, LeBron James or, like, Michael Jordan, like you said. I mean, that's just, it just, it just he's got a even, um, he's just got a great head on his shoulders. And, um, I mean, he's, he's just, he, he definitely is, he, he's not a selfish player at all. Yeah, um, for sure. And he's really just, he's really, even though he's the top recruit, of, cor- um, of course, but he's still, he's still, he's playing like he's, um, he's got something to prove. And he's definitely is, he, he's some, he's, he's a player that you want to be with on any team. And mm-hmm. he definitely isn't, uh, he is. He isn't like a prima donna kind of a player, but he's he's a player that um, guys can rally around. And I would I would want to be on a team with Zion Williamson if he, if he was on the floor with me. I mean, yeah, for definitely. Sure. He's a he's a kind of a he's just th- th- that kind of a talent on the court and off the court. So yeah, for sure, great I mean, things to come. That from. was that was a fun region to watch. That Duke Michigan State game was a lot of fun um, in the Elite Eight there. Um, and you know we'll see how um, Tom Izzo looks once he's back. Now that he's back in the Final Four, you know they had their huge stretch of final four appearances and then it kind of dropped off for a while now they're finally actually back in the final four when they're when they're a contender team and you know we had that conversation about it there's going to be an upset early and things were looking um kind of iffy with bradley in the first round but since yeah. then there's kind of been no looking back and they've looked very very good especially after that you know like go bradley i guess <laughs> yeah that close crunch time win against um duke um in in the regional final there so uh moving on to the west um i mean at least the big things i noticed uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, well, yeah, we'll get to that. And Gonzaga uh, moved all the way um, to the Elite Eight. They didn't have any issues. They didn't even play Syracuse, so that didn't happen. Uh, the Murray State upset happened. Um, we had, um, let's see, well, yeah, basically uh, Florida beat Nevada. That was that was the other thing. So Michigan did not have the second-round loss with Nevada. That, that did not happen. But what did happen was their loss to Texas Tech. Um, and yeah, that was so ugly. Texas Tech ended up being your Final Four team, which so this is kind of the the, the wild region here. And um, you know, I mean, I guess addressing it right off the top of the bat, since you know, probably waiting on this. But um, my Michigan reaction, at least, is I was waiting for this game to happen. This game was bound to happen from the beginning, and I was just waiting to see when it did. I said in my bracket that it was going to happen in the Elite Eight, so I put them in the Final Four, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, turns out it happened one round earlier. I probably should have just put them in the elite eight by my logic, but I didn't do that. So, I mean, I, I, th- I think that they, their team had significant offensive issues all year. I th- they started their year way stronger than normal beeline teams do, but they just stayed where they were. They never got better. They never got worse. They were just kind of, you know, idling forward. And as teams got better, they just kind of stayed the same and their offense really never showed too much significant improvement, too much significant improvement. And they were not able to run as many plays move without the ball do those things and instead just shot in isolation and their shooting did not yeah. cooperate with that, especially in this game. So that's why they experienced that loss. Yeah. I think it was, I don't even like this t- a takeaway from the game, the Texas tech Michigan game. I think it was, I don't know. I feel like it was more of a, of a bad night shooting than anything for right. It was I, de- defense. Of course, Texas tech's one of the best in the country. if not the best, but I think it was honestly like defense get you so far. And right. I think that, it was just Michigan. It was God. That was, that was it awful. Was, it, it was really not good. But and you know, I, Texas, I Texas was, Tech credit. I was but waiting for that yeah. to catch up to them because I knew that there were those holes there for sure mm-hmm. that I was that I was scared of, and that's why you know we saw other you know Michigan fans around the show. They picked them to lose in the second round, for example. Yeah. You know, lot lots of lots of those fears because we were just waiting for this game to happen, and it turns out it did it against Texas Tech, a team that had that defense that kind of exposed all our flaws in the first place and then on top yeah. of that we had a bad night and so they can, it gets stagnant yeah. very often michigan and they just really don't have a have a purpose on the offensive of course they're a great defensive team but yeah on the offensive side way too many inconsistencies that kind of showed up over the year they kind of like you said they were kind of an idol all year ever since they didn't get really better they just idled forward and they really right. didn't have a have a purpose i guess to get um better on the offensive side yeah yeah, so on the Texas Tech side of things, um, they did beat Gonzaga, so that's kind of exciting. Do you think how, how much can we expect out of this Texas Tech team in the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be a great game. I think people are yeah, upset. I think it'll be I, fun. Duke's got out, uh, Kentucky's out, the Blue Buds, uh, Bloods, whatever. But uh, I think yeah, it's just kind of it's great to see like a different team like a Texas Tech and the program that they built up down there in Texas. Um, it's 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 great to see after making a deep run last year. In, in the uh, tournament and then this year again and I think it's just it, it's for, for their program they're going to be getting a lot of recruits now it's going to be a very attractive destination for recruits in high school now so yeah. I think if they can win this game get to the finals 
I think that anything's possible for them. But my pick is I'm still picking Michigan State just with the way Cassius Winston's led their led their team behind um, Tom Tom Izzo's coaching. I think those two mm-hmm. definitely with Izzo as the coach and um, he's like and then Winston's like another coach basically out there at, at, at the point. So I think Michigan State will be too much for them, but. With the way they, they can shut down any team, Texas Tech, with on the defense side, I think it's going to be a very close game. And definitely if the season ends for them on Saturday, it's it's a phenomenal season for Texas Tech, and they got nothing to hang their head on, yeah. hang their head on for sure. They're going to be exciting for sure. Um, in the south here, uh, Virginia made it out, which was uh, definitely interesting to see. Um, let's see, what did we have? A UC Irvine upset happened. The Oregon upset happened. The Oregon – uh, Ducks ended up moving um, all the way to the Sweet 16, basically. So that was that was interesting. Yeah. Um, Purdue obviously had their presence and moved all the way to the lead eight. That wasn't, too, that wasn't too unexpected, but, I mean, hey. The, that was kind of su- – I was surprised Ten, the way the he bi- played. The Big Ten had a great showing mm-hmm. in this tournament, I mean, at least in my opinion. So, I mean, while I'm you know, upset that the Big Ten representation, representation ended up being Michigan State – I mean, I think that you know, I'm glad that the Big Ten had the, has their presence in the Final Four because they deserved it. They had yeah, a that lot of that would been great. a lot of big moves. You could have a Big Ten Final. That would yeah. have been that would have been something. But yeah, definitely. I mean, for Purdue to play the way they did, I certainly, for myself, was not expecting them to even make it. I think I had them losing to either. Villanova. And well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, Villanova they look horrible in that game. Yeah, I mean, Seaboy had them losing to Old Dominion, so yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of doubts about them. Yeah, and they, just the way they played, they showed their, that, yeah, their, their track record, I guess, hasn't been the great, um, hasn't been the best. But I think now, after making the deep run this time in the Elite Eight, I think yeah, definitely, it's for Matt Painter. I think um, a lot that, of credit to that coach. Awesome for him. Yeah, his first, I think it was his first um, Sweet Sixteen, and of course Elite Eight, um, in, in his tenure at um, Purdue. So definitely. Yeah, that's that's wonderful for them, and it I think it definitely for Edwards. Um, he really, I think I was at the game when they lost to Minnesota in the Big Ten. I think it was the first round, whatever. There, um, I think yeah, after, after the bye, whatever. So right. The, the second round, I guess for for um, for Minnesota um, playing against at the UC. But uh, yeah, Edwards was he was that team was ice cold um, that that whole game. Right. And they couldn't make second a, half a basket and. I, I going into the tournament, I'm like, man, here we go, Purdue again. It's March. They're just gonna fall under pressure like we've seen in the past. But right. Edwards that really put the, the team on his back and definitely yeah, I think he's gonna definitely if he's going to go in the draft, he definitely helped his draft stock there for sure. And he just had ice in his veins in every 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 shot he made in uh against Virginia. That was remarkable. Mm-hmm. The bank in three, everything was going in for him. Yeah. So I mean otherwise, um Iowa did beat Cincinnati, so that's another upset. But moving on to the Midwest uh, North Carolina had their fall to Auburn. Um, like m- many of us uh, felt about the Auburn kind of hot streak, did end up being the factor that caused them to move all the way to the Final Four. Um, Ohio State had their Big Ten representation as they upset Iowa State. Um, let's see here. That's basically it. And then um, Kentucky had their loss to Auburn in the Elite Eight, so they, they, did, they did move all the way forward. So, yeah. I mean, any big takes out of the Midwest? Yeah, you know, I think – I don't know. I think Auburn. Actually, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm gonna go with this. I think it was more of Kentucky. I think they really. I think they kind of. It felt like the, that whole game. They're just gonna break away from Auburn. But Auburn, it, it's just a testament to them how, how, how much. Um, I guess perseverance. I guess they've they've had just to overcome the injury of one of their better players in the in the Sweet 16 game against um against Kentucky or against who was. That game was against or North Carolina. That is, um, in the Sweet 16, and they and then they go and beat Kentucky in the next game in the Elite Eight, and it just shows. Yeah, th- this team really just put them up against any any uh, any difficulty, I guess, any situation, and they will come out and prove you wrong. And definitely, I think that's just a testament to the coaching um, the coaching staff there and the players there. Um, but I think it's, it was kind of disappointing. I think for just watching that game for Kentucky. I think Coach Kell f- um, felt like that he had um, – the, the team was just going to break away. It just felt like that they could pull away from Auburn at some point in that game, but they didn't. And it just felt like – I don't know. I just, it was kind of weird just to see Auburn win. I just felt like Kentucky, okay, they're going to definitely show uh, show America that the, a, a blue blood is going to make it to the Final Four and a great team like Kentucky is with P.J. Washington back and everything like that. But with uh, And Hero, of course, is a gr- another great player on their team. But 
yeah. along with many other greats that they got. Reed Travis. Um, but yeah, I think Aub- I think any, if anything take away, it's kind of um, I guess kind of expected. But Auburn definitely is a team that yeah. the team that is well coached and can make a three. Man, they they can they they can it, shoot. Just that's, that's it, true. Yeah, they're very I guess streaky kind of some three, but from three. But I guess it doesn't really matter. I guess if you can make <laughs> like mm-hmm. ten under ten out of fifteen in a sweet sixteen game from in the second half, which definitely pr- propelled them to course beat north carolina and and help them beat duke so yeah or beat kentucky yep so before we talk final four we're going to do that in uh what to expect next week because those are predictions but um we're just going to kind of look at the bracket challenges here um the leader in the tfs bracket challenge right now is um an account which we can't i think it was david dorsett i believe he's in my first period class oh really i think that was him yeah there's not a name on it i don't believe yeah there's there's not i think it was that's the one with auburn winning right yeah the one with auburn winning is currently winning. yeah i think that's he's going to auburn so he's like i'm just gonna pick auburn to win of course yeah so that's 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 been benefiting him now we'll see how that how that helps because if 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 auburn does end up winning (laughs) that's gonna be big yeah um as far as the sports scouts guess here um, Will Davis is on top right now. So oh, out, yeah, of, out of all the guys who are on the show, uh, Will Davis is on top. I don't know if he has that many long-term points, obviously, because his, national, Duke, champ- right? his yeah. national champion and favorite in Duke is out. So there's that. Um, yeah, Still so the lead, though. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, Even I'm with the Duke loss. I'm in third, which I'm surprised about. Um, you're in fifth right now. So okay. um, we got an interesting um, slate right now. Uh, Peters is in last, <laughs> of course. Shaw's, I think he has Shaw's, well, Shaw's not that far in, behind him. In the, um, where, yeah. oh, did, who did Shaw pick? Shaw picked Duke to win, oh. and he had Purdue in the Final Four, so that would have helped him a lot yeah. if that had happened. But yeah, so things are things are looking pretty interesting right now. We'll see what happens with the Final Four. But um, right now, let's uh, move on to your scouting. So welcome to your scouting. As always, great segment. Um, make sure to send in your questions to make uh, yourself a part of this segment at two two four five four four nine three three zero. As always. And uh, let's not waste any more time here, and let's get right into the first call. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hold on. One Sounds like guys. Peters. Yep, that's who it is. <laughs> All right, here, here we, we go. go. Hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time caller. It is. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not a first-time caller. <laughs> Oh boy, I lost him. But I mean, you get the point. We, we, we get the point. I guess. Yeah, we get the point. I guess he wants to fire Theo. He wants to clean house for the Cubs. So I mean, I I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts on that yeah, kind of I mean, hot take that he's had for a while here? I mean, uh, I like we talked about earlier. I guess Ryan, you can probably go back and listen to the start of the show. But we talked about the bullpen. But uh, it's definitely yeah. There's just so many issues right now with the whole team and offense is actually not a worry right now. Right. It's everything but offense, which we have That's would not, not have ex- said the last and the wild card game against the Rockies when we couldn't get a hit the whole game. But yeah, but yeah, I I don't know. I think it's definitely too real. I mean, Strope's a, d- a great reliever. He's definitely he's shown that he's def- a great trade by Epstein. But ever since I think that ever since we made move to get Jason Hayward, I don't know. I just feel like Theo. Like of course we won a World Series, but I just think I don't know. It just feels like that the edge that the Cubs have had, like with trades and and uh, uh, getting guys, uh, developing them, to get them to the majors. It really hasn't been the same, I think. Signing, like, dumb contracts, like guys like Tyler Chatwood, you Darvish. I mean, Hayward, yeah. I think it was still, of course, the, the famous speech he had, um, but a great defender. But on offense, too, like, it, we're just been w- wasting money on guys that just haven't really panned out at all. Like, Darvish yeah, probably I is agree. up there. With, okay, it's kind of early right now to state, state this, but one of the worst contracts in baseball history even. With the way he just has the the money we get, hundred eighty million dollars for I think six years and not even pitched like ten games a season. Yeah, that's, give me give that's, me a break. That's the problem. And Tyler sure. Chatwood too. Um, that that is probably the worst signing I think Theo Epstein's had. I, I don't even. I there could be more, but definitely yeah. the edge they've had um, since like twenty fifteen. That of course the every move they seemed to make was just golden, I guess, for the team, and they definitely took. Um, took the league by storm in 2015, making the playoffs, making the NLCS. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just think the bullpen. There's so many issues right now, and they're just gonna have to 
figured out on the fly here. I mean, they didn't do anything in the winter, so I guess they're, it's, it's their mess they put themselves in. It was kind of yeah. anticipated this was going to happen, so they're going to have to find a way out of it. And signing Craig Krimble I don't think is going to really help. I, I don't I, – and sure, it'll help a little bit, but got Brandon Morrow on, on the shelf for a month, and if you sign – Crimble uh, to a five-year, hundred million-dollar deal. Here's you're stuck with another huge contract for the next five years, and for sure, this, it just seems like money is is just being wasted here. And they, Theo's kind of tried to um, close off the, the the paychecks, I guess, this off-season. But still, I guess you're gonna have to use the money now. You've burned enough of it for contracts that were bad, and we have to wake up here and kind of sign some, use the money uh, in in ways we need to use it, and not signing. I guess David Bodie, congratulations to him. But I mean, the money guys has to be spent to the bullpen right now, and yeah, money, that's for sure. So I'm not saying it was a a bad signing, but definitely the these next moves, uh, money wise, need, needs to be go to the bullpen and nothing else. Yeah, I don't know if executive action needs to be taken against Theo Epstein, but yeah, um, I think that, I th- that, yeah. that would be a quick decision. <laughs> if anyone uh, Pierce is going to disagree <laughs> with me, but um, I mean, I I think that there needs to be a serious look. He's had a bad run, and I think that we need to. He needs to make sure he looks at you know making. Um, future action happen to solve these big big problems that are here yeah peters thinks that uh jed hoyer uh should be the next um <laughs> president of baseball operations when, when when they fire theos so but also i think yeah joe madden too he's made some mistakes um these last couple years For of sure. course with not i think theos problem was that he wasn't getting hard or uh wasn't on the players hard enough throughout the year and just kind of got complacent at the end of the year and I think yeah, he just. I think that that was definitely a problem. But I think you you can't blame um, Joe Madden for the the struggles of the bullpen because he, he has no one really to work with, like as a shutdown guy in the ninth inning. And I think you, Joe really is getting the short end of the straw here. Um, yeah. Being being since he's been in Chicago, winning I think the worst season he's had was was last year. Yeah, ninety five games for sure. But even he even like remarkable. he even won. Um, he he was even on the in the conversation for coach of the year. And we talked about this earlier. I think that his performance is kind of remarkable considering, you know, kind of the the situation he's been put in lately. So I mean, he's one of my favorite managers. I guess I'm biased in that way. I mean, obviously I'm wearing his t shirt right now. So like, yeah. But it's kind of fitting right now. I guess yeah, trying I, to suck. Yeah, it is. And you know, I think that he's just been put in a bad situation right now, and he's one of. I think he's going to prove to be one of the greatest managers of all time, and I think that he needs to stay where he is to have future success, but um, there just needs to be some more front office action that needs to be taken. So uh, let's move on to your scouting here. We don't have uh, much more time, so we're just going to move on to just wait till next week. And um, I'm, I'm going to start here with, um, unfortunately, Michigan State uh, will be your college basketball national champions this weekend. Um, they're going to beat Virginia, so those are the teams that are going to be coming out of the Final Four. Um, and it's unfortunate, but I might as well just say that Notre Dame wins the women's tournament uh, tonight, so there's that. I guess I'm just picking rivals at this point, <laughs> um, which is kind of sad. But, yeah, so we'll be talking about that next week. Um, I don't even know they're playing tonight. <laughs> yeah, they're, that, that's, Sorry. Playing, that's, playing, that's getting started tonight. So, um, you, are they playing against UConn? Yeah, they're, okay. they're playing against UConn. That, and that then, kind of makes sense, I guess. And then the those national, two are always the best. And yeah. then the national championship, so there's that. Um, so, yeah, we'll be talking about that. And then uh, we'll also be getting excited for Stanley Cup playoff time uh, next week. I'm going to help uh, show out in an article that will be up soon. So there's that. Yeah, next week we get a week closer to the draft. Um, I think, yeah, definitely it's going to start heating up the the trade rumors, the mock drafts, whatever, the all the all the hoopla going into the draft. It's yeah, gonna be, we're going to have gonna to be fun, put I guess. our foot into that. Yeah. And, of course, the Cup situation. Hopefully we got more than one win when we talk next week. But <laughs> Hopefully. I don't know if don't, that's going to happen. I don't hopefully. know. I I'm, I'm a little worried. I mean, definitely it's, it's been five games. Um, we, yeah, we, so we all we, have to chill We don't want to move bit, too fast. But, but, but definitely yeah. you, you can see there's there's a problem that needs there's to be addressed problems, yeah. with the bullpen and the pitching in, in general. So, yeah, that, yep. that, that's my just wait till next week. Yep, so uh, that's all we got today. Congrats for sticking through, as always, listening to this whole thing. We appreciate it. Um, uh, subscribe to Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Uh, we're going to get even, even on more in the future, hopefully. Uh, give us positive reviews. Um, subscribe to watch on YouTube. We're finally getting back on YouTube. We're being filmed again, which is awesome. Um, and, of course, read the Forest Scout. Um, there are a lot of good articles on there. Uh, right now, the bottom five came out for April Fool's, which is awesome. <laughs> I love that read. Yeah, that, that was, was, that was, was awesome. Um, another STFS, so freshmen, take a look at that. Um, there'll be a lot of new stuff, too, coming out now, being yeah, out of the break. There'll, so. there'll be more. It's just yeah. it's slow coming out of the break. But there's uh, Casey's TEDx review, which was pretty good. Um, and uh, Shaw's Bear Down Weekly is finally up on the site. So that's that's awesome. You know, that show's been going on for a while, but now it's finally 
on the Four Scouts. So that's cool. So uh, get ready for another week of Sports Scouts next week. And um, in the meantime, we'll keep on scouting.